1: Hey, guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday. We have survived yet another week in Biden's America, just barely. This is your go-to for hot liberty a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please check me out on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and true social, I am at Monica Crowley. The email address is also Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. That's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I know we've had a couple of shows where we've had these incredible guests and we've gone along with them. So I haven't been able to get to some of your emails, but I promise you we will return to email segment. So let me know what's on your mind. Again, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, we've got a very exciting day today. Speaking of fantastic guests. Because in a couple of minutes here, we're going to be joined by Joel Berry, who is a top editor at the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee, if you're not familiar with it, is the most brilliant, funny, hysterical satire site uh, on the web, period. And because it's so brilliant, it's been canceled, suspended, smeared, lied about, all because... The guys who run it happen to be conservatives, and they also happen to be people of faith. But the real crime here by the Babylon Bee is that these guys endlessly, relentlessly mock the left. Can't have that. Got to be destroyed. This is another reason why they continue to come after Trump I mean, there are many, many reasons why they continue to attack Donald Trump, to try to destroy him. We cover those those reasons on this show all the time. But one of the big ones, honestly, is that Trump is funny. Trump is hysterical. You watch these rallies still. I mean, years into this now, these rallies are as fresh as they were back then, back in 2016. And Donald Trump gets up there and he's doing like an hour and a half, two hours of stand-up. The left cannot tolerate that. They don't like joy. They don't like mirth. They don't like laughter. It's got to be crushed. Communists are the most dour people on the face of the earth. There is no sense of humor. Everything everything is going to be super serious because everything is meant to support the, the communist revolution. Karl Marx was not exactly a laugh a minute guy. Neither was Vladimir Lenin. Neither was Mal. These are hardcore killers because they are literally possessed with evil. So when you're possessed with evil, there is no laughter. There's no hearty chuckle. Okay. So when they're coming at us, of course, they've got to squash joy and laughter and happiness. Of course they do. So they hate when Trump is up there and he's telling self-effacing jokes about his weight and whatever and, and making jokes about the left, left, and right. They can't handle it. They flip out. And so a website like the Babylon Bee, um, and they're they're up on social media um, in various ways, but the Babylon Bee itself has been suspended. The left cannot tolerate when the right is having a good time that's number one. But particularly when the right is having a good time at the expense of the left, that absolutely has to be taken out and destroyed. So they have tried with the Babylon Bee, but these guys are so amazing that they are uh they're resilient, they're out there in a number of different platforms, and the the stuff that they put out every day is just consistently funny. You know, it's one thing like Maybe one of the late night guys will have one funny show a week or maybe like one funny skit a week. That's more like it. Um, And they've got teams of professional comedy writers and everything. The, The Babylon Bee guys are like a handful of guys. And in fact, next week, you guys, I'm going to be in California and I'm going to sit with the Babylon Bee guys and I'm going to do their on-camera podcast. I am so excited about that. I cannot even tell you how excited I am. So I will keep you abreast of when that might air. Um, but I wanted to talk to them today in advance of that because they're really in the forefront of the, the conversation that all of us need to, to have and the battle that we're all waging about satire in the age of this fascist enforcement against free speech. But it's not just satire. It's all of us are under assault. uh, And they are on the leading edge of it because they're doing satire. I mean, the fact checkers will go and fact check the satire of the Babylon Bee. So either they don't know it's satire... Or they do know it's satire and they're like, oh, well, we, we can't allow this to stand. So we're going to fact check your jokes. It's so <laughs> unbelievable. So anyway, Joel Berry, who is a top editor at the Babylon Bee, is going to join us for a very funny and very important conversation that you're not going to want to miss. So that's coming up in a couple of minutes here. Um, today, I really want to break apart... Before we get to Joel, I want to break apart what we have seen over the last couple of days. So here we go with the Monica memo. 2024 is looming. It's literally just right around the corner. People think, well, let's just get through the midterms. And and that's correct. We only have a couple of weeks to go and we have to elect every Republican in sight from governor, senator, member of Congress, to your mayor, to your dog catcher. Just vote straight Republican line all the way down. Oh, but Monica, I don't know about... Stop it. Stop right in your tracks right there. We are in an existential fight for the country. I don't care if you can't stand the Republican who's running for dog catcher. You vote for that Republican. This needs to be a messaging event in November. And we're going to be wall-to-wall on this through the election here on this show. This needs to be a a messaging event where we are sending a shot across the bow. You know, the left is always sending shots across the bow right? The DOJ, the FBI arresting pro-life ministers, uh, going to Mar-a-Lago and raiding Donald Trump and, and, and going after parents who show up at school board meetings. These are all messaging events by the left. It's meant to silence you and intimidate you and cower you into uh, just going along with whatever they want. Well, you know what? This time it's our turn. This election is going to be our messaging event, okay? Our turn. And as soon as we're done with that, everybody's attention is going to move to 2024. It's literally right on top of us, even though a lot of people are not paying attention uh, to it yet. But the race is absolutely on, literally on both sides. Natural disasters give leaders a chance to step up. Either they blow it or they shine. Governor DeSantis in Florida shined like the bright light of leadership that he is. He had the state of Florida prepared many days in advance of the storm. He mobilized all relevant state units. He had all hands on deck 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're all continuing to work on the cleanup and the recovery around the clock. Ron DeSantis was calm. He was working day and night. He didn't like, remember on election night 2020 at midnight, they're like, oh yeah, we're tired. We're going home. What? (laughs) No, your job is to sit there and count honest votes. No, they just packed up and went home. And there are allegations obviously that they were pulling all kinds of shenanigans to steal the election. Who knows? But they packed up at midnight and went home to go to bed. Ron DeSantis did not pack up and go home and go to bed. When you saw him throughout this entire storm, he looked tired. He looked ragged. And you know what? With a natural disaster of this magnitude, you want your governor looking tired. You want your governor just wiped out because that's when you know that he is working for you to get this stuff done for you. That's his job. He was out there getting stuff done for his people which is what leaders are supposed to do. DeSantis was a shining reminder of this very basic point. In a representative republic, and we are not in a democracy, we're in a constitutional republic, our leaders are supposed to represent and serve us. That's why we elect them. That's why we give them the reins of power to represent and serve us, not to represent and serve themselves, but us to make our lives better, not make our lives worse, not harm us in any way. And yet, that's exactly what our so-called leaders in Washington do. They hurt us on purpose. So while we keep the people of Florida in our prayers as they put their lives and their state back together again, let's also take a moment to thank Governor DeSantis For reminding us of what our leaders are supposed to do, what they're supposed to be. This whole storm, is tragic as it was, and I I really, my heart breaks for these people who've lost everything. And I don't know what the insurance picture is like there, but there have been uh, big losses of life and limb. And so please keep everybody, all of our fellow Americans in your prayers. But all of this goes into bold relief this week, doesn't it? This reminder is so clear and so necessary right now as we go to vote in these midterms. Your leaders are not supposed to hurt you. They're supposed to help you. It's so basic, but it's gotten lost. Do not forget it, especially as you think about your vote for November. Do not forget this speaking of leaders who are deliberately hurting you. We are on the brink of World War III, thanks to the imbecile in the White House, and our president doesn't know who's alive and who's dead. Here he is earlier this week, scanning the room for a congresswoman who died in a car crash last month. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie?
0: I didn't think she was going to be here.
1: You know, Biden even put out a statement after he died. He expressed his condolences to her family and her district. And yet, just this week, he's out there looking for her. Corrine Jean-Pierre, also known as Karine Diversity Hire, was asked about this by multiple reporters this week. I mean, even the White House press corps is so far up Biden's butt, it's not even funny. But even they were like, okay, you know, the guy is like, what, what's he talking about? He's seeing dead people like in the sixth sense? What's going on here? So multiple reporters asked KGP... About what was going on in Biden's scrambled eggs brain. And she kept repeating, well, um, the Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, she was top of mind for Joe Biden because he was apparently going to meet with her family or something. So somebody obviously crafted that phrase, top of mind. I use it on occasion, but (laughs) the phrase top of mind is not always top of mind. So somebody gave her that phrase and said, when you're asked about it, just say he had her top of mind because she kept saying that over and over again. Well, he had the, the deceased congresswoman top of mind, My friend James Rosen, who is now White House correspondent for Newsmax, he raised his hand and he asked Kareem Diversity Hire, oh, keep in mind, James is a Beatles fanatic. For as long as I've known him, he has been obsessed with the Beatles, which is great. I mean, he he wrote a book, I think, about it. Anyway, (laughs) so he raises his hand and he asks KGP, he goes, look, I've got John Lennon top of mind almost every day but I'm not out here looking for him. Brilliantly done. And there was a big pile on. And I mean, look, she she probably did the best she could, given the situation that her boss is senile, but nobody will actually say that he's senile. Yesterday, he was out there with the FEMA director and they were talking about the hurricane damage and the human costs and property costs involved in what the storm inflicted. And he wandered away aimlessly. I don't know if you guys have seen the video, but after he was done speaking at the podium, the FEMA director, a woman, um, she expected him to turn toward her, I guess as he was told to do, and he turned in the other direction and she sort of leaned over and she was trying to get his attention and like grab his arm a little bit or touch his arm to get him to turn around and come back to where he was supposed to be. But instead, he wanders off aimlessly. He does that again. They're going to have to put on one of those toddler leashes. <laughs> Just you ever see these kids wearing a leash so that they don't run off? That's what they're going to have to do to the President of the United States. Also, he kept referring to Floridians as "they." They got hit. Now, when you're president, it's we. We got hit by a hurricane. But this is how the left views us, as they, as other, as enemies of the state. It must kill him and this entire White House to have to help Red Florida. I mean, you know it's just like eating them alive, right? Meanwhile, Kamala Harris, (laughs) our illustrious vice president, Kamala's daily idiocy is literally an episode of Veep. Here she is while abroad in South Korea, claiming the communist North is our ally. Listen. The United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. Guys, everyone misspeaks, but you usually correct yourself right away. She never did. Because she doesn't know any better. You know, she comes out of California. Any of these politicians, like Newsom or or her or anybody, like coming out of New York, Chuck Schumer, none of them are forced to answer any difficult questions at any time. They're all coddled by their statewide press corps. They're all on the same page. They are never challenged. Ever. So, because they're all Democrats, they're all batting on the same team. So, By the time they all bump up to the national level, they are not prepared for even the most basic questions or briefed on the most basic truths. Like, it's not like North Korea became an enemy of the United States yesterday or even last year. We're talking decades. North Korea has been a communist enemy of the United States, and she's out there talking about North Korea as if it's an ally. She meant South Korea, but she never caught herself. She didn't because she's just wholly unprepared on top of the fact she's a moron. It's one thing to make a hash of things when you're here in the United States and you screw things up and there's a day or two or or whatever of, uh, you know, a carnival of feasting on the mistake. But it's something else entirely when you screw things up when you're abroad on issues of national security, life and death. Life and death of the American people. That's something else. And she's done it multiple times. Here's the bigger point, guys. Neither the president nor the vice president is capable of doing their jobs. One is senile and the other is an idiot. This is a grave and rolling constitutional crisis. I cannot overstate how exceedingly dangerous this is. And you know what? It is well past time for anger. Anger. It's one thing to to laugh and poke fun at them or call it sad. Oh, it's so sad that Joe Biden is so senile. No, it's not sad. Maybe it's sad for, well, it's not even sad for Jill because she's engaged in elder abuse, putting him out there around the clock when he's not capable of doing this. It's not sad, and we aren't sad. We are furious. We are furious that this country is in this position, having a president who belongs in assisted living and a vice president in a constant state of nervous breakdown. The danger to this country and to all of us is severe. And we are absolutely furious that we are in this position, thanks to morons who voted for these imbeciles because they didn't like some mean tweets. Feel the anger, express the anger, in obviously in nonviolent ways, but at the ballot box for sure. But we are entitled to be angry about this. Donald Trump gave voice to the anger and the frustration. We were never allowed to do that, remember? We were never allowed to express anger because that would come off as irrational in some way. Donald Trump gave us license to be angry about what was going on in our country, what was happening to us, American patriots, who cared about restoring this country back to its foundational principles and its greatness. Trump gave us the license to be angry. And this, if anything, is certainly the environment, certainly the reason to be angry for what is happening to us personally in terms of the economy, inflation, gas prices, the wide open border, illegal immigration, crime, cities in collapse, our whole country falling apart. In addition to the international threats that are on the rise because of this imbecile's weakness, we have every right to feel anger about what is happening to us and our country And again, we've got a way to express it at the ballot box. We can certainly let our representatives know that we are on to them, that they are hurting us instead of helping us. We want leaders who are supposed to be doing their jobs of helping us, not harming us. And we need to make that very, very clear come November. All right, guys, sit tight. When we come back, we're going to have a fantastic conversation, very fun, very funny, with the great Joel Berry of the fantastic Babylon Bee. So you're not going to want to miss a second of that. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, guys, if you are not reading The Babylon Bee, you are missing out on one of the most fun experiences in life. In life, I tell you, this is the absolutely brilliant satire site, which skewers the left in particular, but also all kinds of other very ripe targets of which there are so many these days. com is their website. You should be reading them every day and following following them on social media, TheBabylonBee.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram everywhere you will not be sorry I promise you when it's in your feed not only is the Babylon Bee a palate cleanser in your news feed which is so full of darkness and evil these days but it will make you laugh out loud I literally laugh out loud a couple of times a day when I see the Babylon Bee (laughs) pop up in my Twitter feed and, and Instagram and so on Kyle Mann and Joel Berry are the comedic geniuses behind the Babylon Bee and they've got a brand new book out called The Babylon Bee Guide to Democracy, a sequel, if you will, to The Babylon Bee Guide to Wokeness. And Joel Berry joins me now. Hi, Joel.
0: Hi, Monica. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. I- I've got to say, I'm a huge fan, as I said, of The Babylon Bee. And I've got to tell you, Joel, when I first saw it on Twitter... This must have been a couple of years ago. I thought it was a real news site. <laughs> I saw I saw the, the B graphic that you guys have, which is now Iconic. I saw it and I started to read some of the headlines and I was all like, wow, Babylon has a great news feed. And then I was like, Babylon where? Babylon, California. I literally thought it was like a Babylon, California a city newspaper. I was like, must be Babylon, California. And then I was like, "Wait, Babylon? Where? What is this? Duh!" So, how did well, what, you? What
0: you're saying, Monica, is you got you got uh, deceived by our 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 very uh, sinister fake news that's designed to uh, to trick you, right? Yes, you guys are the kings
1: <laughs> of fake news in the most brilliant way. So, before we get into the book, Joel, how did you and Kyle start the Babylon Bee? How did it come about? Do you have a background in comedy? Yeah,
0: no, I. I- <laughs> It's it's funny. Kyle and I both have a background in sales. I used to sell uh, logistics services to manufacturing companies, and he used to sell pipe fittings to <laughs> construction companies. So we're we don't have a comedic pedigree. We didn't write for the you know the Harvard Lampoon or Mad Magazine or anything like that. You know we're kind of outsiders. But um, the the B was actually started by kind of a a, a mad genius named Adam Ford. Um, not very long ago. I mean, this surprises a lot of people because it, it, it seems like a Babylon bee has been here forever at this point, but, but the Babylon bee was founded in, uh, like the middle of 2016, uh, before uh, Trump was elected. So, um, the Adam Ford, uh, was kind of inspired by what the onion does. So if, if, if you're familiar with the onion, they kind of do these dry AP style satirical news headlines. They're a fake newspaper. And, um, uh, shortly after the Obergefell decision with the Supreme Court, uh, when they redefined uh, the meaning of marriage, um, The Onion published a headline. This is back kind of when The Onion was still kind of funny. Um, they published a headline that said something to the effect of uh, four Supreme Court justices suddenly realize they will someday be the villains in an upcoming Oscar winning movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, while the Onion, they're leftists and they have a different point of view with us. That's still kind of a clever quip, you know. And there is probably some truth to that. I'm I'm sure we're going to be getting an Oscar uh, feature about the Obergefell decision someday. Um, <laughs> and and Adam Ford kind of had this thought: like, why isn't our side doing this? Why aren't right. Christians and conservatives uh, doing this? You know, I, I I feel like the world's right for it. So he he had a small web following. He he did a he made a web comic that had a small fan base, and he kind of put it out there to his fans that hey, I'm starting this you know, Christian uh, satire site, you know, if you're interested, if you if you're interested in writing, uh, let me know. And we're going to do this thing. And so that's that's how Kyle Mann got involved. So Kyle Mann was a follower of Adam Ford. Um, He started submitting headlines right away. Um, And it was kind of an overnight success. I mean, it it was uh, within a week or two, they were already going viral, uh, mostly with kind of inside church humor um and and the first headline a uh, very early headline this is one that i remember seeing that kind of got me hooked to the babylon Bee very early on was the headline um holy spirit unable to move through congregation after the fog machine breaks <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i was yeah. like who are these guys this is amazing <laughs> you know and and it was the first time a lot of us had seen comedy that could you know that came from our tribe that that could skewer, you know, the silliness and idiosyncrasies in the Christian and conservative world but do it without hate and malice and condescension you know um and uh and so i think a lot of people really latched onto that including myself and um, uh, you know and then the election happened and then trump was elected in in the fall of 2016 and and really what happened was it, it broke so many comedians, you know, including The Onion. We saw it with Stephen Colbert. We see it with with all the late night hosts. A lot of stand up comedians, um, they 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 got it in their mind that, um, you know, stopping Trump has become more important than uh, than comedy for me. And and now my job is to to you know comedy is is going to go on the back burner, and I'm going to use my platform to to attack Trump and so we lost so much comedy in those 4 years and 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 here we are the Babylon Bee. we 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 ended up kind of being the only ones willing to 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 make jokes that no one else was willing to make jokes about you know we we could we could make trump jokes that were good-natured and and genuinely funny we could talk about you know gender ideology and and critical race theory all this all this low-hanging fruit that was being rejected by so many ideologically driven comedians um you know the babylon bee was there to pick it up and so i I think that kind of became an early driver to our success
1: you you guys it really did the whole world open for you at the time and you guys are christians you don't you don't wear it on your sleeve. You're not preaching to anybody, but it does inform what you do, which I think is so important. And I said to you before we started, Joel, that God knows exactly what He's doing, and He's always right on time. God is never late. So He He created an opening for you guys just to explode. And I want to say a couple of things. You know, you said you and Kyle, uh, you didn't write for the uh, Harvard Lampoon. You know, you didn't come out of like comedic training, but that's what makes you guys so genuine and so genuinely funny is that you 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 don't overthink it the comedy is organic it's natural mm. and it's just it's it's brilliant the way you do it and the other thing too which you just pointed out about Comedy dying in the Trump era because all of these so-called comedians have said, oh, my responsibility to democracy is so much more (laughs) important than just a silly joke in late night. Actually, no, that's not your job. To save democracy, Uh, you know, and and how pompous and arrogant and grandiose do you have to be to think if you're Stephen Colbert, my job is to save democracy, which started, you know, with the Greeks and then the Roman Republic, like your job, Stephen Colbert, is to save democracy? I don't think so. Um, So, Uh, you know, you guys approach it with a real sense of humility as well.
0: Yeah, I think that that kind of became a bit of the inspiration for this book because I, I think that there are a few words that are spoken with more like uh, self seriousness and and uh, like uh, I don't know um, uh, self righteousness uh, than than the word democracy. I mean, we we hear it all the time about <laughs> yeah. how we have to defend our 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 sacred democracy. Uh, you know, and a lot of the, pe- the people who use that word really don't even know what they're talking about. They don't know what democracy even means. They're not even aware that the United States isn't a, a democracy. Right. And, and our founding was in many ways designed to protect us from a lot of the the horrors of a pure democracy. And so we kind of played with that idea in this book a little bit that, you know, you know there, a lot of people don't know what it means. It, it kind of means different things to, to different people. And, and uh, there, there's a lot to make fun of there.
1: You know, I think about, Joel, when I look at the Babylon Bee and I hear about your history, there's a really important point here to make. Saul Alinsky, who is known as the godfather of leftist activism, advocated the use of mockery. As a way to humiliate the left's opponents and put them on their back mm. heel and get them all tied up and embarrassed and mortified um, and intimidated in terms of fighting back on what the left was always trying to do. So the left, mm. because they control the culture for the most part, has wielded mockery very, effle- uh, very, very effectively. But you guys have turned the tables on them and you're using mockery against them and they don't like it very much, right? So they can dish it out, but they can't take it.
0: That's true. I mean, Mark Twain said it too, that, you know, um, you know, a uh, all the powers of, of government and kings and, and rulers and, and corporations, they can maybe push against a lie a little bit over years, but only mockery can just, you know, destroy a lie in a second and just, you know, reduce it to atoms at a blast. And, um, you know, the left has known that for a long time, um, but- I, the, the internet's been amazing. I mean, the internet has been kind of like the new, uh, you know, the the advent of the the Gutenberg uh, press, the printing press, uh, and and we've kind of found a way around a lot of these traditional channels and gatekeepers. To where, you know, we we have mockery uh, in the form of memes. We have it through the Babylon Bee, and and it is very powerful. I mean, a great example of this is, you know, this the this this dark and divisive uh, speech that that Biden gave a week or two ago. You know, where he was uh, surrounded by, you know, Marines standing at, at parade rest and, and dark red, you know, uh, lights all around. The, there is a lot to be angry and outraged about uh, in his speech, um, but there is a lot funny about it, too. I mean, you can you can bluster and, and be angry and, and wring your hands about the kind of the evil and divisiveness of, of Biden's speech there, Um But I don't think it's going to necessarily be as effective as if you, uh, you know, paint a Hitler mustache on him and and make a joke about it. You know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's very hard to stand up to mockery.
1: Yeah, you know, you're so right. I think about in the last like week or so. The former Saturday Night Live player, Rob Schneider, who's been all over Twitter, I'm sure you guys know him, yes. um, and he's he is one of us, you know, and he's like proudly coming out saying, look, you know, the country is hanging by a thread, we don't have time to waste anymore, and I'm just going to let my values and my political principles be known, and and if my Good career goes down the tubes as a result, it does, I can't control that, but there's something bigger here that that I'm interested in, which is, you know, trying to save my country, Um, so but he also made the point, Joel, that he said he knew comedy, especially on SNL was dead when after the 2016 election, Kate McKinnon came out on SNL and (laughs) sang hallelujah with the whole stage being draped like in black. And it was just her and a piano singing hallelujah. And she said, he said, Rob Schneider said, I was hoping that at the end of it, there was going to be a joke. And he said, (laughs) when there wasn't one I knew, comedy, at least on SNL, was dead right? And then you think about like Jerry Seinfeld has come out publicly. Now he's on the left. He's a climate change maniac and the rest of it. Yeah. But he has said, look, I can no longer go on college campuses and do a set because I'm afraid that even with the most innocuous joke, somebody is going to take offense. It's going to go on social media. My career will be over. So what what is your view on the state of comedy? And are these alternative platforms like the Babylon Bee allowing for at least pockets of comedy to survive.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree with uh, Rob Schneider. I think that that moment did kind of mark the point when um, SNL uh, stopped giving us jokes and started giving us material. So at that
1: point, <laughs> yeah.
0: the, the SNL started giving us comedic material because they were, they were so serious. And I think Anytime you have sanctimony, self-righteousness, very serious people who take themselves too seriously, that there's your material. There's, there's the butt of the joke right there. And that, those are the ones that need to be kind of picked apart. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, I, I think there's a bit of a, a renaissance coming. Um, I think that there's been quite a bit of a backlash to, um, to this, this very stifling environment, uh, this, this politically correct environment that, that kind of silences comedians. Um, a lot of the biggest comedians uh, in in the comedic world right now um, don't have, you know, specials on Netflix, um, don't have, uh, you know, you won't see them on broadcast television or in sitcoms, but they have a huge, huge audience. And this is, you know, thanks to the Internet, they, they are able to find their audience directly and, they, and they're packing stadiums, they're packing, uh, you know, performance halls. So, you know, I think I think that there is um, a bit of a renaissance happening, even though it's a little bit invisible. Um, it's it's definitely out there. And it it does tell me that I think the the legacy media, legacy entertainment, uh, they're they're living on borrowed time. I think their days are numbered. I think it's only a matter of time before it collapses. You know, as long as as long as we don't let them do something else. I know, I know there's this legislation kind of making its way around Congress that would allow big tech and, Legacy media to collude with each other to uh, to stifle any competition, which is just incredible. Um, you know, so as long as we can avoid some stuff like that, I, I think that there there will be a comeback.
1: You know, all it takes is one person with balls to stand up, Joel, (laughs) and say, we're not dealing with this. So Dave Chappelle, for example, but then he got the backup from Netflix, who then, you Mm -hmm. know, they they came forward this year, Netflix, and said, look, we're going to put up all kinds of entertainment. If you're offended Mm -hmm. by a certain thing, don't stream it. (laughs) We're not holding a gun to your head to watch the Dave Chappelle special. If you want to see it, great. If you don't, go watch something else. Or, or don't mm-hmm. subscribe to Netflix, but it does take CEOs and leadership to, to stand up to this kinds of censorship. You guys have been bombarded from fact checkers, fact checkers checking a satire site. Okay. <laughs> that in itself is satire, but fact yeah. checkers, big tech, mainstream propaganda press. Tell us about some of those experiences because you guys have really gotten nailed to the wall over again, a humor site. Yeah
0: yeah so uh, it started early on um you know early in the trump presidency uh facebook uh started a partnership with snopes as their kind of official fact checker snopes started fact checking our our headlines and facebook responded by by sending us a warning that they were going to remove us from facebook and so um again just giving us more material right i mean we started making fun of snopes and it was hilarious and and it it became a great example of how powerful mockery is we we mocked snopes and, and facebook so much that they ended up backing down and, and facebook also ended up dissolving their partnership with snopes um but that but that didn't stop uh that didn't stop their kind of their 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 frontal assault so they they um they started decided to do some things a little more sneaky. After that, they they started to come in through the back door. They they started a fact checking um, uh, partnership with several with with dozens of uh, of legacy media organizations um, that were fact checking things based off of grants from Facebook. And and what happens is these fact checkers will they'll. Pick a and, and I genuinely think I've I've looked into this. You know some of the fact checkers that fact check they're they're like interns they're they're college summer <laughs> interns yeah. at these these news organizations. I really do think that they're being told by someone in the leadership, hey, we need a Babylon B fact check today. You know pick a random article and fact check it, and we'll just get these random periodical you know these these, these fact checks. What happens is these fact checks then get fed back to Facebook. Um, and, and they get factored into the algorithm. This is this thing called a news ecosystem quality score, which is then used to uh, suppress our reach in the algorithm. So where Facebook used to be like 92% of our traffic, it's decreased to like 33% because of this invisible censorship. Um, and, and, you know, their algorithm is invisible, it's proprietary, there's no way that you can, you know, point to something concrete and prove what they're doing, but it's, it's very obvious what they're doing. And so you see it with Facebook. Obviously, we got kicked off of Twitter uh, for a joke about Rachel Levine. Uh we've been kicked off of uh, TikTok, no reason given. Um so you know it it continues to come. Uh you know. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, we might be going back to print uh, here in a few, you know, we'll get, we'll get some paper boys, and newsies and we'll, we'll deliver the Babylon beat to your mailbox or something. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
1: yeah. You're going to throw it all into reverse, right? Instead of going you know, totally digital, let's go back to paper, which, you know, That's the right. left wants us in the stone age anyway, with no electricity and no cars are <laughs> flying. So uh, you're ahead of your time. Uh, tell us about Elon Musk. You guys had a, a famous sit down with Elon Musk, who I guess at the time was thinking about buying twitter and now it looks all up in the air but what did musk tell you because again i get back Mm -hmm. to the point it just takes one person with balls to stand up and say we're not doing this to really change the culture and if you're as powerful and rich as elon you really have the ability to do that so tell us about your meeting with him
0: yeah well you know i i think musk uh is he is um he's a person that i think a lot of people can relate to right now in the sense that uh he in the past has been kind of a traditional leftist, a, a traditional liberal. Um, and as he's seen, uh, the transformation of the left to, to, to go so hard left, uh, to become so censorious and, um, and so nasty with, with wokeness and woke culture, um, it's, it's kind of caused him to, to question, uh, a lot of the, the ideologies that, you know, that he just assumed in the past, um, And, and, you know, in talking to us, he, he expressed, you know, his frustration with, you know, he, he's a, he's a bit of a mischief maker. He loves memes. He loves being politically incorrect. And he, and and he expressed his frustration to us about how woke culture, um, it's mean-spirited and it, and it kills comedy. And, um, and, and so, uh, you know, he, he even talked about how, you know, some of his favorite shows have been ruined by, you know, by this woke messaging. They can't just make entertainment anymore. They, they have to be woke and, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people feel exactly as he does. Um, we were thrilled when um, when he announced that he wanted to buy Twitter. Um, I, I am a little sad that it's kind of in limbo right now, uh, legally speaking. You know, I, I do hold out hope that um, he will still purchase Twitter, hopefully for a better and more fair price once we can figure out how many bots are on the, the platform um, because he has expressed that this isn't about money for him. He, he believes that a free speech platform um, is essential for human flourishing and for our, our culture. So um, Twitter is not necessarily a money-making opportunity for him. Um, he, he has other reasons. So for that, for that reason, I, I do hope that he'll, he'll go through with the sale, but, but we'll see.
1: We will see. And, and I'm hopeful too, uh, Joel. I really am. Okay, Joel, please hang tight. lot more to cover with you. We're having such a ball. We'll be right back with Joel Berry. But before we do, guys, I just want to take a moment to welcome a brand new sponsor, Nutrafol. Ladies, we all want to look and feel our best and our hair is such an important part of that, right? Our hair is our crowning glory. But did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them, know that you are not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver real results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. Clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol is a simple addition to your daily routine. Just four pills a day and you'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, and faster growing hair in just three to six months. As Nutrafol's powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and better nails and skin. And when you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly deliveries so you'll never miss a dose. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code MONICA to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time Plus, free shipping on every order. Get 15 bucks off at Nutrafol.com. It's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. Nutrafol.com. Use promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back with Joel Berry of the Fantastic Babylon Bee. So your new book, The Babylon Bee Guide to Democracy, let's talk a little bit about uh, what democracy means to you guys and why you decided to write this book. So what what is going on with American democracy? As you point out, we are a constitutional republic, not a democracy, but what is going on? I mean, our elections are being rigged and hacked and manipulated yeah. and people are losing confidence um, in those elections and also in our institutions. There's a breakdown of the respect for authority. How do you mine all yeah. of that for comedy?
0: Oh man, it's, it's rich for comedy. I, I, uh, I we we were kind of a little bit inspired by, you know, the, the great uh, political writer PJ O'Rourke. He he wrote a, a book called Parliament of Horrors, a uh, very colorful title there, um, describing the just the kind of the system, the corrupt system of, of Washington, DC. That, you know, this is a few decades ago he wrote this, but it was very similar to what it is today. Um it, it is it is a very corrupt system of power and it, it's designed to keep people in power. Um I think When a lot of people think of democracy, they think of it in the generic sense, you know, freedom, liberty, rule by the people. Um, When when a lot of these politicians are talking about democracy, we need to protect democracy. They're they're not talking about freedom. They're talking about the system. They're talking about the system that benefits them. Um, and, And so much of it is broken, you know, not just because we've we've been complacent and we've allowed these people to to take more and more power. Um, but because we've, we've kind of failed to educate the next generation about exactly what democracy is and and why our system was set up the way it was with its checks and balances to, to avoid uh, more, you know, too much power from, from going to one people, one person. And um, we, you know, now we have a legislature that's kind of pretty much given up its power to the executive and the judicial branch. Um, And it's, it's not a good situation. I, you know, and, (laughs) <laughs> pure democracy, too. I, I think what a lot of people don't understand is, is you know, rule by the majority is, is a nightmare scenario, too. In the book, uh, we talk about the origin of democracy. And uh, we say that, uh, you know, the first democracy was established, uh, you know, millions of years ago. Ah, uh, when two single-celled organisms uh, came upon one single-celled organism, and they they ganged up on it and ate it, and it was two on one, and there we, you know, the, the will of the people was decided. That was the first democracy. <laughs> That's essentially <laughs> what it is. It's 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 might makes right, you know, and uh, and so we 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 play with that idea in the book. I think I, more than anything, I think it's it's really important that we we educate our kids about um, you know. What, how this system works, why it was put in place, and, and, and you know, how God has used it to, to not just prosper our country, but, but lift up people all around the world. I mean, uh, people all around the world have been lifted up by the idea um, behind America um, and, and the culture of America. And, and I think we need to rediscover not just the, um, you know, the, the reasoning and, and the education, but that, that pride in, in who we are and, and where we come from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's getting lost in the public school system, private school system too, uh, for sure. And I think comedy is a great way to reach these kids. That's why I love what you guys are doing. You know, our politicians have always been, you know, we've had some exceptional ones, but for the most part, they're buffoons, right? But now it's taken to the next level because now you've got politicians here in America and across the West who are outright hypocrites, socialists, communists, liars, and and sociopaths so what is the yep. most fun for you to about them to parody and make fun of
0: <laughs> that's funny i i um it's something that uh i i i'm a big fan of andrew claven something he, he always says is that corruption is hilarious to us um you know <laughs> yeah. it's it, there is i mean it is tragic and it's you know it's it's a tragic reality of the human condition we're all fallen and sinful and and prone to to um, serve ourselves and seek power and and do what you know and and forget our duty, um, but corruption. There is something just hilarious about it, uh, just like the buffoonery and the hypocrisy. Um, you know, <laughs> the the comedy just writes itself. We get we get a lot of questions. You know, with reality as absurd as it is, um, you know, is your job hard or easy? And I I kind of say both because it's. Um, it's it's easy in the sense that these politicians they'll just say something um, that is it's just on its face it's just comedy but you, you hardly have to change it for it to be funny just because they're <laughs> they're contradicting themselves or they're being hypocritical or they're being sanctimonious um, but it's also hard in the sense that um, it's hard to compete with you know it's <laughs> it's hard to one up uh, how crazy and, and silly and, and uh, buffoonish these people are. Um, so it's, it, we're, we're kind of constantly walking that line. You know, a lot of our, our jokes will exaggerate what politicians do, but you'll see a lot of our headlines. We're, we're, you know, we, we had one headline, I think last year that was like to save time, the Babylon Bee is just going to start writing down what uh, Biden says verbatim. It. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, this is really all you have to do anymore.
1: <laughs> That's true. Do you ever, do you guys ever see satire coming to pass in real life. I mean, in 1998, The Onion wrote, the, here was their headline, Area Man Has Naked Lady Fetish. And then this month, a men's health columnist told a reader he had a fetish for people with lady parts. I mean, it really? I'm not kidding. I mean, have you guys seen your satire come to life in a way that where you're like, oh my God, come on, man?
0: All the time. I mean, so we, it, it got to be so common that we have we have a we have a document somewhere. I don't know if I can find it right now, but um, I think we're up to a, about a 100 headlines that have come true. Um, uh, like sometimes uh, within a year or two, sometimes within weeks uh, of us publishing a headline, it'll come true. And we've even had uh, there, there's been times when me and the writers are kind of kicking around ideas in our, our you know, our little uh You know, chat channel where we work, and we'll come up with a great headline. And I'm, you know, I'm coming up with a Photoshop, coming up with a photo for it. I'm writing the copy material or the the article. And while I'm writing, it will like, it'll come true in real life. And I have to drop the head. It's like, okay, well, reality just beat us. I have to come up with another headline now. I mean, it it happens probably like once a week. It's how crazy things have gotten.
1: The world has gone mad. When the world
0: has gone mad
1: Babylon B, actually and I see it sometimes on Twitter with other people I follow they're like how it started and there's a Babylon B, you know satire headline which is hilarious <laughs> and then a couple of weeks or months later how it's going with an actual story <laughs> about something coming to pass that must be mind-blowing for you guys
0: yeah, well it's you know, I, I think our our superpower there, we, we like to play with the idea that we're prophets and we're we're making these, you know, prophecies because we have this special knowledge, but it's it all it really is is um you you kind of have to you have to know the left better than they know themselves. And yes. What, one thing that Rush always says with that, you know, I I know these people uh better, you know, as much as every square inch of my my glorious body or whatever, <laughs> whatever Rush <laughs> used to
1: say. Yeah.
0: Um and you know you, you kind of have to know them, and in a sense, you there you have to have a, a love and affection for them. I think that's where the uh, our superpower as Christians is that we're not we're not coming at this from a, a place of hatred or spite or condescension. Um, at some level, even though these people are on the left, we know that we are all uh, um, we're, we're sinful, fallen creatures. We're all prone to silliness and mistakes and corruption. And I think that uh, that worldview and that that the way that way of looking at the world. I think allows us a bit of a predictive power. You can you can kind of um, take someone's uh, worldview. You can marry it to what you know about human nature and, and you know what they're going to do two, three, four weeks from now.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I love the fact that you guys are believers and that your faith in God and in Jesus really does inform everything that you do. Because I, I keep telling people like, this world is so hard. How can you not believe in God? Because, you know, once you have that, that, that shalom (laughs) that only can come from, from belief in God, then you can move through this world with a sense of humor because, Mm -hmm. you know, you got the backing of the big guy upstairs. All right. We are coming back with Joel Berry right after this. Sit tight. All right. We are rejoined by Joel Berry of the Extraordinary Babylon Bee. Um, Before I let you go, Joel, do you have any tips for people who don't know which political party to vote for? I'm always amazed at these people who are like, yeah, I'm an independent. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But then they'll wait until like the day before the election. They're like, yeah, I I really don't know how I'm going to vote. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> it's so it's so foreign to me these people that are just sort of like you know politics isn't really central in their lives and god bless they're probably a lot of he- healthier and happier than i am but you know the, i don't understand like how you don't have some core principles that would guide you in a certain direction from the outset
0: yeah it, it is i mean it if you don't know yourself and you don't know uh, your, your views, I mean, your, your core worldviews, I mean, it all starts with how you think about God, how you look at the world, how you look about human, look at human nature. That's where your political views start. And and if you, if you don't have a solid foundation there, you're really just going to go wherever the wind carries you. You're going to go with what, who sounds the best on, on, uh, on social media or, or, or the news. You're going to go with who has the best line, who has the best hair, Um, And and so a solid worldview is essential. But, you know, I guess to break it down, you know, simply for you, you get, you know, if you love uh, if you love big government and free stuff, you vote for the Democrats. Um, If you like slightly less government and slightly less free stuff, you vote for Republicans you know, if, if you're a fan of, of uh, guns, drugs, and beer, uh, libertarian. I guess that's the <laughs> Which that's sounds the like answer. the best
1: right now. <laughs> it does. Um, Joel, you are amazing. The book is called The Babylon B Guide to Democracy. Of course, go check them out on the web, babylonbee.com. Go get this book wherever books are sold. Amazon, your local bookstore, The Babylon B Guide to Democracy. And the first one, The Babylon B Guide to Wokeness, is also hysterical. So while you're at it, go get both. Both. check them out on social media facebook instagram twitter they are the babylon b and joel on twitter is joel w berry so check him out as well joel thank you so much
0: thanks so much for having me monica i appreciate it
1: a pleasure keep rocking okay guys that's going to do it for me here on this friday what a show right what a week right every week what a week Thank you so much for being here with me and for checking out all of our terrific sponsors. That really means a lot to all of us. Have a fantastic weekend. And I will see you right back here on Monday with another week of really, really big shows, including Paul Manafort, an extensive conversation with him that's coming up next week. Have a terrific weekend, guys. Stay safe and well. And I'll see you right back here on Monday.